listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. We are continuing our conversation in the Set Apart to Serve series. Joining us today, the Reverend Justin Panzer. He's president of the Kansas District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. President Panzer, thanks for joining us today on The Coffee Hour. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you and your listeners. We are delighted that you are a part of the Set Apart to Serve series with us here on the Coffee Hour and learning about your ministry and how God has given you to serve in parishes and now in the Kansas District as district president. Tell us a little bit about the story of God bringing you into the Office of Holy Ministry. What, When did you begin thinking about serving as a pastor? Was it in childhood or later? It's really both. And just my story is, is not unique to other people that serve in church work. As a senior in high school, I was asked by my home pastor to consider becoming a pastor. And I looked at him and I said, you have the wrong. So I proceeded on to college. I actually have a a bachelor of science in education from the University of Kansas with a a pre-physical therapy emphasis. Hmm. And so I was uh, traveling down the physical therapy road. Once I concluded my bachelor's degree at that time, you needed a master's degree. So I had applied to all of, you know, local schools for physical therapy and had moved back home in between time because, you know, things such as student loans need to be paid and things like that. And I, I worked a construction job that I had always worked in the, in the summers. So when the applications came around and I had done interviews and those application processes came back, I I was not accepted to any therapy school, which was, I guess, quite a shock. I had very good grades. I had the necessary test scores and kind of of floored by that. And so I was in the process of applying again. Um, And at that time, I was asked by another pastor to consider becoming a, a pastor again. And so I applied to Concordia Seminary, St. Louis, and I also com- applied to Concordia Sioux. I'm, I'm very close uh, to being teacher certified, so I thought I would finish a teacher certification, if possibly there, and then uh, maybe even go into a master's of administration. And so when applications uh, were put in and then applications came due, I was not accepted to any of the physical therapy schools again. However, I was accepted to both Seward and to St. Louis, and I decided that I, I like to teach, and so I, I thought I could best do that to pastor. So I enrolled at Concordia Seminary, St. Louis. So kind of, I guess I'd say probably not an unusual story, but definitely a story of God closing doors and opening doors at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, this, those stories are always interesting how we sometimes think we know what we want to do and God's like, mm, nope, I think you're going to do this instead. That's, that's just a, a very, very cool story. Along the way, while you were going through all of this uh, discernment of, of what your path was going to be, now looking back on that, what do you think the characteristics that these pastors saw that were, they, they were encouraging you to, to pursue pastoral ministry, even though you, you weren't quite sure if that was what was right for you? 
Yeah, good question. I would say this. I mean, we were always a family that was regularly in church. We were a family that was regularly in nightly devotions and in prayers. I would say, you know, my my grandparents played a, a huge role in me and my life. And then my mother did as well. When I was in fifth grade, you know, I saw my father baptized and, you know, come to faith and uh, how that changed his life. So that had a, a big impact as well. So but early on, it was as my mother and then both parents as I as I grew in life. Kind of an interesting anecdote here. One of my uncles, maybe you call it a favorite uncle, you know, when he knew what I was going through in terms of, um, you know, not being admitted to physical therapy school and being admitted to the seminary and, and up to Seward, he jokingly said that if nobody else wants you, God can always use you. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so you really had encouragement from your pastors and from other people along the way, family members that sounded like as well. And, and the things that they shared with you were helpful, even though it wasn't clear to you <laughs> until later, until, you know, uh, applying for def several different options. And uh, and that really helped clarify that, that direction for you. It did, Thinking and I would say, just uh, to say something real quick along that too, you know, I have absolutely no Lutheran background as far as education goes. So I was not brought up in a, in a Lutheran school system, did not attend a, a Concordia. You know, the only Concordia I've attended is Concordia Seminary St. Louis. I actually attended, as I said before, the University of Kansas. And so campus ministry was very active there. My uh, campus ministry pastor had a, a big influence on me as well. And in the time that I was at the University of Kansas in Lawrence, believe it or not, there were seven of us who actually entered the seminary over a two to three year period. Whoa. <laughs> that really says, that, that speaks volumes about the importance of campus ministry and how campus ministry makes an impact on young people, particularly in that stage of life and that, that college age, young adult years as well, how, how significant that is. That's It really is. And, you know, I think their stories might mirror mine too. You know, we were all headed down different educational tracks and, uh, you know, for whatever reason, the Lord knows and, and here we are as pastors. Mm -hmm. What are some of the key things that those significant people in your life did that you think are valuable for us to consider when encouraging young people today? What are the things that they were saying or doing? What do we need to be doing today in terms of encouraging young people to consider church work vocations? Yeah, I, I think a couple of things kind of come to my mind. You know, first of all, you know, our young people, you know, may put the pastor or the church worker on such a high pedestal that they think that they could never do that. They could never get in front of people and talk. They could never teach or, or preach as good as, as what they heard. And, and so I think that, you know, we need to get in front of that. I think we need to, to do the exact opposite and encourage them. If we do see that those youth have that habitus about them, we need to encourage them to, to contemplate church work vocations and careers. We need to you know, invite them, you know, for further conversation with the church worker, because it's, you never know, it just could be a simple invitation of you should consider this and that seed is planted and who knows where God's going to use it. 
Why is it so important to ha- be having these conversations? What is that need that, that you see, maybe especially in, in the Kansas district, for raising up new church workers? Yeah, so I think I'd say a couple things here. You know, we, we've heard the stories and we, you know, we know that the, the numbers crunches here in terms of, you know, low recruitment numbers. And so the, the set, apart at, set Apart to Serve recruitment initiative is is very timely. It is is very valuable. It is something we've pr- been promoting in the Kansas district. You know, just from a personal standpoint as a district president, between the 1st of January until the end of the August, I have eight pastors in Kansas that have already told me that they're retiring. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that's just a numbers crunch. We we want our pulpits filled. We want the people of God served with word and sacrament ministry. And so, you know, it is, it is, I guess you'd say, a uncharted waters. You know, we're doing creative things in terms of of how to fill pulpits with pastors so that the people are served. But I say second, I would say secondly, and most importantly, is that again, we need to go back to just the power of of the personal invitation. You know, the studies tell us that 80% of people will come to our churches for the very first time when they've been personally invited by someone else. And so whether it's a, a pastor or a teacher or a DCE, we need to make those efforts to personally invite these kids uh, to church work vocations, something to consider for them as, as they are in high school, uh, maybe when they're even in college and, and struggling to find a major. And we also need to, especially if they're in high school still, maybe on a summer break, if they are interested, have them job shadow. Have them shadow the, the teacher in the classroom. Have them shadow the pastor on a homebound visit. So maybe have, have them lead or do something like that when the DCE is, is hosting some type of a youth event. Shadowing sounds like a great way to, to also build a culture that embraces raising up future church workers, a partnership that that really, and a culture that embraces looking to the future and raising up church workers. And I want to talk more about that in just a moment. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are continuing our conversation in the Set Apart to Serve series. Our guest today, the Reverend Justin Panzer. He's president of the Kansas District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And before we went to break, you were talking about some of the things that you think are important for us to do in congregations and schools and other settings uh, to raise up church workers for the future. One of those was shadowing. What are some other things that we might be doing that will help develop a culture within our congregations, within our schools that embraces raising up future church workers? Yeah, great question. I would say this. Don't let your confirmands do catechesis alone. 
And so, you know, I, I kind of grew up in the old confirmation model where the parents, you know, quote unquote, dump the child off for a Saturday morning in the pastor's office for two to three hours of, of catechesis. You know, obviously a lot of churches have gone to the midweek model. And when I did my vicarage, I had a wonderful vicarage congregation, a wonderful vicarage pastor. And he had at least one parent or guardian attend the confirmation class with the child. And so obviously I liked that idea. I saw the idea work and I stole that idea from him for my ministry. And uh, when I did, you know, introduce it, there was, there was, you know, audible groaning, uh, audible moaning pushback, but it was the parents eventually jumped on board. Uh, and, uh, you know, it did cultivate a culture, not only within the class itself, that the parents, you know, were free to ask questions, the children were free to ask questions. But also from there, it took what was learned back into the home. And so this was a, a great way for me to model devotions in front of the parents and uh, to promote sound doctrine within the home, have it cultivated there, and then have it further nurtured within the church. Other congregations I know around the Kansas district, and I'm sure around our Senate, not only employ that model, but they also use extra mentors as just other, you know, members of the congregation that, you know, are good with the youth, are good mentors, and they, you know, they're there to assist the youth with questions. They're there to you know, assist the youth with, you know, other, oh, how should I say this? You know, any other matters in life, you know, that mentor is assigned to that person and they know that they can go to them and ask questions and receive good feedback. Mm -hmm. How does all of that benefit the congregation? I mean, it, uh, as we're talking about building up church workers, but in addition, just building up a, a healthier congregation for these children to grow up in. It is. I think for one, you know, it gets rid of the divide between the, the old versus young. You know, we are the church together. You know, we have to get rid of the whole concept that, you know, I don't become a member of the church at confirmation. I'm, mm. I'm a member of the church at my baptism. Mm. And something that we've been focusing on this triennium is the whole concept of living as the baptized part of the royal priesthood you know, right from First uh, Peter chapter 2. And so, you know, as we are the royal priesthood, um, you know, it, we are that holy nation. We are the chosen possession. And that cultivates that right from the beginning, that uh, I am the church. I am the church right now. And uh, as part of that royal priesthood, as part of that body of Christ, we are here as Christ's people to serve him. Tell us more about what is going on in the Kansas district and how you've made it a priority to to form or to raise up and, and form church workers for the future. Yeah. So like I said, we've got the triennial emphasis now of, of living as the baptized. I think that's been well received. I think it's a, a matter too of how do you educate people on what it means to be a royal priest of Christ? And, and if I was to walk back into my former parish and say, you know, you, John Smith, are a royal priest of Christ, uh, how would that be received? So I would say, first of all, I just did not teach this very well when I was a parish pastor. And so, you know, how can I learn from that? How can we encourage our pastors and our people to learn from that? Just this language of, of priesthood in the from the Holy Scriptures 
and how that builds within the congregations. I would say another thing that we are making a, a priority emphasis on is campus ministry. Obviously, I mentioned that at the beginning of the interview here, but we have a campus ministry coordinator, Reverend Mark Boxman at Trinity Salina. And the Trinity Salina is also the set apart this pilot congregation for campus ministry as part of this initiative. So something that, you know, Pastor Boxman is promoting, you know, is is gathering his his senior kids and their families, you know, not in April, right before a May graduation, but he's gathering them already right now in October and November. And as they contemplate, you know, where they will go to school, as they contemplate what will their major be, Pastor Boxman has has also put it before us, you know, contemplate, you know, where are you going to go to church as well? And so, you know, it's not a question that we overlook, but it's, you know, in the busyness of, of families and, and how time quickly passes that senior year, where will you go to church? And so, you know, something I did in my own ministry was made it a point uh, to reach out to the, to the student, to the families that I was sharing their contact information with the local campus pastor. And then I shared the campus information also with them. And then if, if they were especially local and, and could make the trip, you know, within a couple of hours, I would point blank tell the family, I do not want to see you here this Sunday because you are taking your child to church this Sunday morning at the local campus congregation. And so, you know, we want our kids there with the studies do show us that we lose our kids, unfortunately, in those college years. And we want to do everything that we can to encourage them to continue to go. You've mentioned a lot of ways that parents are being brought into this. What other ways can church workers encourage parents in their raising up of their children to consider these church work vocations? You know, again, I think I would say campus visits would be one. You know, I I get the emails. I'm familiar with both of our seminaries. You know, Concordia St. Louis, you know, has the contemplate and the vocatio visits. Those are great ways. And those would be good ways for parents and church workers to you know, get those kids uh, who have expressed an interest uh, on campus, or maybe if they haven't expressed an interest, you know, just, you know, go to visit. Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne has the Christ Academy and the Phoebe School. Again, other good opportunities for our kids to, you know, spend a a good handful of days uh, on our campuses to see, you know, what the lectures look like, what future ministry might look like. And then I would also say this, uh, I was on campus at Concordia Seward in February of this year, and we were told that that weekend was a, was a big campus visit weekend. And what was going on was just various alumni of Concordia Seward were packing up vans and bringing vanfuls of kids from their areas to Seward for campus visits that weekend. So... Hmm. You know, it wasn't necessarily a, a church worker visit, so to so to speak, but they the alumni was was excited about the university. They were excited that the direction the university was headed, and uh, they were getting people, you know, on campus, visiting the campus, uh, showing them, you know, the worship life as well uh, that happens on a daily basis at our at our CUS schools. And so, I think our alumni are another important asset here too. Great point. Great point. 
set apart to serve. We've talked a little bit about the pilot program in this series. And tell us about how you hope the Kansas district will be a part of the pilot program. Definitely. You know, our district, like so many other districts, represents a huge cross-section of of our population. Some areas of Kansas, you know, we have communities that the high schools speak 27 different languages. We've got very remote places as well. We've got some of our places have one LCMS church per county. And then some of our places, you know, you've got an LCMS church every five to six to seven miles. So where we are at in Kansas, whether it be from from rural to, to city to urban, we have the mission of the crucified and risen Christ to proclaim. And again, to stick with the theme of the royal priesthood, it is it is our job. It is our duty as the royal priesthood to to proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness into the marvelous light. So that's the consistent message that we're trying to get across here. It may seem like a simple message, but it's, you know, it's not just a pastor or a church worker that can encourage this. It can be a dedicated lay person who is actively involved in the church. You know, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. And by God's grace, through his spirit, so we can reverse that trend. So how can we encourage families in our congregation and church workers as well to encourage these these young people? What are some opportunities across the broader synod for our, our youth to be considering church work and to really discern if church work is right for them? Yeah, good question. Obviously, prayer would be one. And I think, too, maybe just the model that I used, you know, that I was brought up with, there just has to be a greater emphasis from our churches to our families of, of family devotion. Uh, in the busyness of life, we need to sit down. We need to do devotions together. We need to pray together. We need to read the Bible together. And, and you know, worship is not just one hour or two hours on Sunday. It's something that's a habit that is is formed throughout the week. It's part of our our daily vocation of, of what we do. And we let that spirit work on us through that word throughout the week outside of the Sunday morning activities. So, um, you know, there's so much that we could do. I think I'd take it back again, just to what does it look like if we were to, if just one person was to invite somebody to contemplate or consider what that church work vocation might look like, whether it be that pastor or that lay person, maybe the former alumnus of a, a CUS system, and we never know how the Holy Spirit's going to work, maybe immediately or maybe, you know, down the road in a person's life for a church work career. Our guest today, the Reverend Justin Panzer, president of the Kansas District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. President Panzer, thank you so much for spending some time with us in the Set Apart to Serve series here on the Coffee Hour. Thank you. It's been great to have you and God's blessings to you. You can learn more about the Set Apart to Serve series at lcms.org SAS. You've been listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.